0: But first, let's talk about one of the main topics that we've really been talking about a lot this year because it affects so many people in this state. On Culture Shift, we've covered Metro Detroit's dining scene for years, the openings, the closings, the latest trends and news, giving you a seat at the table to all of them. But since the pandemic began, We've followed the hardships that the region's restaurants and local workers are facing. In the past few decades, the restaurant industry has become the fastest-growing private employer in the nation, employing around 13 million people in the days before COVID-19, as we call it BC, before COVID. The industry is struggling to return, especially as Michigan and the U.S. faces another wave of COVID-19. Culture shifts Amanda LeClaire joins me live in studio because we want to dig a bit deeper into this issue and also explore how advocates are working to help service industry employees survive the economic fallout. Amanda, hello.
1: Hey, good afternoon, Ryan. Happy Friday the 13th. And that's right, we're going to be speaking with Saru Jerraman, who who leads the national advocacy group One Fair Wage, which has been pushing to change the way service industry workers are paid for years and has been helping workers stay afloat since the pandemic began in March. But we also want to hear from you. Are you a line cook, waitstaff, bartender, or working in another capacity in the restaurant industry? what have you been experiencing on the ground during this pandemic call us with your story at 313-577-1019 again 313-577-1019 would love to have you join the conversation and saru welcome to culture shift thank you so much for joining the show i know you have a real busy schedule but first off uh you know i want to take you to take us big picture We checked in with you over the summer. Uh, Since then, many more restaurants and bars have been able to reopen, but it's been complicated. Uh, With COVID scares happening, some have had to close suddenly, contact tracing uh, to their employees and folks who have been to the restaurant. Uh, And the issue of customers not always wearing masks when they should. The industry itself has just not come back to full health, and we have another COVID wave happening right now across the nation, and especially here in Michigan. So, what has been happening on the ground for the average service industry worker?
2: Yeah, I'm so glad you're addressing this. We actually have a huge report coming out next week with um, with thousands of workers who've told us that, frankly, a situation that, you know, a, a These workers, as you know, get a subminimum wage if they receive tips, and that was unjust. It was an issue of racial justice and economic justice and, and gender justice because they're mostly women prior to the pandemic. With the pandemic, and especially now with the reopening of restaurants for indoor dining, it has frankly turned from an issue of justice to an issue of life or death, literally. Because prior to the pandemic, these workers in Michigan earned a wage of $3.52. That's the sub-minimum wage for tipped workers in Michigan. Um, And they were struggling with economic instability and sexual harassment. You know, it's a mostly female workforce having to tolerate all kinds of inappropriate customer behavior to feed their kids and tips. And it's a literal legacy of slavery. The sub-minimum wage originates at emancipation when the first uh, black women were hired as tipped workers by the restaurant lobby and were told, you go, go get your income and tips. We're not going to pay you. And that was a mutation of the original concept of tipping, tipping originated in feudal Europe as an extra or bonus on top of the wage. It changed into a replacement for a wage because of slavery at emancipation. So that became law, and that is how Michigan is one of 43 states with this absurd sub-minimum wage for tipped workers. Not all states do that. Nearby Minnesota actually provides workers with a full minimum wage with tips on top, and they've had a very different pandemic experience. But in Michigan... You know, thousands of workers lost their jobs in March. As you mentioned, we started a relief fund. Um, Most of these workers couldn't get unemployment insurance because of the subminimum wage. And now they're being asked to go back to work. And what we're hearing from thousands of workers in Michigan and across the country is that they're being asked to go back to work for a $3.52 wage when tips are down 50 to 75% because sales are down and they're experiencing the most severe hostility from customers. They are in the most impossible situation of having to enforce social distancing and mask rules with the very same customers from whom they have to get tips to survive and we Uh, You know, we worked with about 35 public health doctors and deans of public health schools who wrote to various governors across the state saying this is a public health disaster. The CDC has reported that adults are twice as likely to get COVID from eating in a restaurant. In fact, uh, they studied various places where the spread could happen, you know, hair salons, nail salons. Uh, libraries, all different kinds of locations. And I found that restaurants were the only location where there was a strong correlation with catching the virus. In fact, a doubling. Again, adults were twice as likely. They found that adults were twice as likely to catch the virus being in a restaurant. Imagine working in a restaurant and having to therefore be the front line the barrier for all of us, the buffer, enforcing these social distancing rules in this very dangerous environment, but also having to get tips from those same customers. And what workers are saying is they just can't do it. They cannot enforce these rules that we so desperately need them to enforce to prevent Michigan from becoming the hotspot that it was. Again, we so desperately need them to enforce these rules, but they cannot because they desperately need those tips to survive. They've been out of work for a very long time. They've had very little choice in going back to work. I think given the choice, a lot wouldn't. If they were to continue to receive un- unemployment insurance, they wouldn't because they don't want to risk their lives or their family's lives. They know it's a high-risk environment. In fact, I'm outing some data, but nearly half of the workers who we surveyed, nearly half who've gone back to work say that they that somebody, at least one person in their restaurant has contracted the virus. That's, that's tremendous. That's a huge statistic. Nearly half of these workers are saying somebody in our restaurant is contracting the virus. So they know they're going into a very high risk environment, but they have no ability to protect themselves or enforce these rules with customers because they're relying on tips from those same customers. So this subminimum wage that forces workers to rely on tips has gone from a legacy of slavery and a source of you know, economic instability and so, and and, and uh, racial and gender justice to literally workers having to risk their lives, expose themselves to the virus um, while they're being asked to serve as essential workers, while they're being asked to serve as public health marshals. And, and look, there's no other essential worker that is not paid a minimum wage. These are the only essential workers who are not paid a minimum wage and are being asked to get tips from the very same people that they are enforcing these rules on. It is a disaster.
1: Again, we are talking to Saru J. the CEO of One Fair Wage, a national advocacy group for service industry workers. We are looking for your stories as well. Are you a bartender, line cook, wait staff, working in another capacity within the restaurant industry? What have you been experiencing on the ground? Give us a call at 313-577-1019. 313-577-1019. Would love to have you join the conversation, and Saru, so, one of the things that you mentioned uh, is unemployment. That is one of the big safety nets that people who don't work in the service industry—I mean, myself included—before I, I had a lot of friends who worked in that industry. Before working here in Culture Shift and co- diving into this issue since the pandemic began, I just assumed you lose your job, you get unemployment, and then unemployment would at least be enough to pay rent, pay mortgage, or feed them—you know, feed yourself, or your family. But from what I've been hearing and reading, it's been a significantly difficult system to navigate this year, and it's just not provided that assistance necessary. So take us behind the scenes of what HELP unemployment is supposed to provide and why the system has broken down for many service industry workers.
2: I think it's so important to know the history of unemployment, just like I described the history of the subminimum wage. They're two very similar histories because The subminimum wage was codified into law as part of the New Deal. Unemployment insurance, similarly, during the New Deal was created as a system, yes, to provide funding for people out of work. But from the beginning, it was set up intentionally to discourage people from getting it. It was set up to force people to take any low-wage job that comes your way, whether you want it or not. So workers, the way the system is set up, it's very hard to access. It's been hard to access throughout its history. And then once you get it, you have to, uh, if you don't take, if your boss calls you back to work, even if you are a person with a pre-existing condition or somebody at home at high risk, you still have to take that job, otherwise you lose your benefits. And that was designed purposefully to force workers to take any low-wage job that comes their way. The situation in Michigan, I feel like, is particularly insulting and outrageous because as many Michiganders will remember, we organized 400,000 workers in 2018 to put the one fair wage on the ballot in Michigan to raise the wage for tipped workers from $3.52 dollars 52 To $12 an hour and to raise the minimum wage for all workers to $12 an hour. The legislature. Republican controlled in Michigan out of terror that that ballot measure would drive working people to the polls, took it off the ballot and made it law, but announced when they did that they are just doing that to keep people from voting and that they would gut it during the lame duck duck session following the election. So a lot of people voted in 2018, but right after the election, the Republican legislature did in fact drive the wage back down after raising it to 12, drove it back down from $12 to $3.52. And then a year and a half later, when the pandemic happened and restaurants shut down, those workers, when they went to apply for unemployment insurance, were told by the very same state that drove their wages back down to $3 that their wage was too low to meet the minimum threshold to qualify. So these are workers who had fought to raise their wages, were succeeding were thwarted by the legislature who first raised it and then put it back, and then told by the very same, same state officials that they were earning too little to get benefits. And so hundreds of thousands of restaurant workers in Michigan were told you earn too little, your boss never reported your tips, therefore you don't qualify. And in many instances we heard when they didn't qualify for state unemployment insurance, they were then told, okay, you can qualify for the federal CARES Act, $600 $600 a week, but they still couldn't access that money because the state system is so backlogged, the federal money comes through the state system, they couldn't reverse their denial in the state system to get the federal money. So that has resulted in mass destitution. The intent of unemployment insurance to get people to take any low-wage job that comes their way has succeeded, and thousands of workers are going back, I I know, without really wanting to because they're terrified. People know how high-risk this industry, is people are terrified going back to work, and even worse, for such a low wage, they are facing the most incredible hostility we have ever seen from customers. Customers are screaming at them, yelling at them, the sexual harassment has changed, Uh, men are telling women, take your mask off so I can determine how much I want to tip you based on your looks. And, and much worse. Take your mask off so because you know, you're hiding your pretty face and I want to see whether I want to take you home later. I, I mean, we have heard, these are actual quotes I'm reading you from this research study that we've done. It, it is that the hostility has gone up and the sexual harassment has changed and mutated because these workers are now not only being paid $3, they're being asked to not just be servers anymore, but for $3 they're being asked, to enforce these rules that they just should not have to do without being paid a full minimum wage.
1: Saru, what I appreciate about talking to you is your passion on the subject and how much knowledge you bring to the table. We do have a caller, again, if you work in the service industry or a small business owner as well have have been struggling very much during this pandemic. Uh, we'd love to hear your story. 313-577-1019. We just have a few more minutes left with Saru here. So 313-577-1019. We are going to Coyote in Detroit. Hi there. Are you there? Hi. Yes, I am. All right. So what have you been experiencing working in the service industry during this pandemic?
3: Well, basically verbatim for what your researcher or your guest has been saying. I mean, It's, I was given the option to come back to work or lose my job as as soon as the restaurant opened, and I knew that there was a lot of risks, but I assumed that our bosses would follow, like, certain COVID protocols, but this particular place that I've been at doesn't even believe that COVID's real, and so they don't have, they only have implemented what the health department has forced them to do, like putting stickers on the floor saying, "Stay six feet apart, but... When alcohol, it's a bar in a restaurant, mostly a restaurant. When alcohol is involved, none of our patrons want to take any precautions whatsoever. They're taking their masks off as soon as they're, they sit down, and then they're congregating around the bar area. We have no, as as employees, we have no authority to um, like enforce any of the restrictions. And even the sexual harassment that your guest mentioned, like people are constantly saying to me things like that, like, oh, you know, I, I can't tip you if I don't see how good looking you are or whatever. And it's just, it's, it's constantly a decision daily for me about, I have three children at home. I'm a single mom. I have to pay my bills. There's no more unemployment assistance available for me. And so it's constantly every day, a, a decision of I'm going to risk my health because I have to pay my bills and put myself in this super, super destructive environment that is not getting any better. It's just getting worse and worse. Yeah, Saru, please,
1: please weigh in on, on, on the experience you just heard here.
2: Oh, please be in touch. I would love, I would love more people to hear your story because it, it, what you're saying, we are hearing from thousands of women across the country. It, it, it's horrific. It's horrific because sexual harassment was bad enough prior to the pandemic you know like i said it was it was her, it was outrageous it was wrong no woman should have to put up with that when she's trying to do her job now it's gone from harassment which is outrageous to literally risk your life take off your protective gear for my pleasure for this is what male customers are saying you risk your life you you know expose yourself to the virus for my sexual pleasure and i have the power to tell you to do that because i tip you that is the power dynamic that is set up by this subminimum wage and by forcing women to live off of tips while they're trying to enforce these rules and it is it is it's gone from like i said an issue of justice and outrage to this is a covid emergency these workers are literally dying trying to take care of us as we go out eat out and and it's it, it just it's got to stop it's outrageous again but, we're know,
1: talking it, oh, sorry, go sorry, ahead, sorry go ahead sorry Uh, We're talking to Saru J. Roman of One Fair Wage, an advocacy group for service industry workers. We got another call on the line I'd like to go to while we have time. Marino in Sterling Heights. Thanks for joining Culture Shift. Yeah.
3: I appreciate you guys having me on here. Yeah, I was just calling. um, I really do feel for all the people that have been struggling during this pandemic in the service industry, because you guys are right on point. There's a lot of people that are having a lot of struggles right now. But my experience has fortunately been on the better end being a delivery driver at Jets. Um, So, so many people have been ordering delivery and and a lot more people are being generous with the tips just because they know that, you know, I'm delivering during a pandemic. So I've actually had the benefit of making a lot more money during this pandemic myself. But like I said, I know there's a lot of people in other service industries like waiters and waitresses that are dealing with a lot of the struggles that uh, they haven't had to deal with before. But there are some people like me and, and my coworkers who have uh, actually benefited significantly from this pandemic as far as uh, making more money and having more business.
1: Well, Marina, you know, good point that you bring up there. I And as I've heard from friends of mine who were bartenders, were wait staff, they've become uh, delivery drivers for Uber Eats, DoorDash, pizza places, et cetera, et cetera. But this industry is, as we said at the beginning of the show, one of the fastest growing employment industry in the nation over the past few decades and so not everyone can become a delivery driver and not everybody has even the uh you know the the car to be able to do that or to be able to upkeep that car so saru you know one thing marino brings up there how do you see this industry changing as we continue now with you call it the second or the third wave of this COVID pandemic
2: yeah You know, I'm glad for Marino and I'm glad for workers who are making more money in tips. I I would just argue that I think what servers and bartenders have seen through this pandemic is that living off of tips is good sometimes, really good, and then it changes. It changes, you know, climate change is making tips a a lot more unstable because, uh, you know, even delivery becomes harder when it gets really cold or it's really hot. You know, things Things will shift. So tips are not a stable source of income. They're also clearly what servers and bartenders learn and the restaurant industry learn. They also don't result in you getting unemployment insurance. So for all those Uber and Lyft drivers, even if they're making more money or Uber Eats delivery workers, even if they're making more money right now during the pandemic, if they were to lose their job, they don't have rights to to benefits because most of them are independent contractors. so it, it is not a stable it is a might be good right now but it's not a stable situation and I think that's what a lot of restaurant workers have found is that they thought they were you know doing their profession for decades you know they thought they were giving doing doing their part working really hard often as, as you, we heard from the worker who called in single mothers trying to make ends meet. Um, and then a slap in the face when it came time to apply for benefits and, and a realization that tips were never going to be this stable source of income. When sales are down in the restaurant, which, you know, when they are down, that that sales are down across the country, that means tips go down. <laughs> Um, Tips are a direct reflection, so even if individual customers might be tipping more because they feel badly for workers, that doesn't solve the problem of workers earning less in tips overall because sales are down. And so fundamentally, it shouldn't be on customers to ensure that these workers get a stable wage. The employers are the ones profiting from the value of these workers' labor. Employers should be paying their workers a full minimum wage, just like every other worker, and frankly, just like every other essential worker.
1: Again, we've been speaking to Saru J. Raman, CEO of One Fair Wage. Now, while we wrap up, please, Saru, tell, uh, tell folks where to go if they need some help, because you guys have a, uh, have a have funding available for service industry workers who are facing hard times right now.
2: That's right. Please go to www.ofwemergencyfund.org. We stu- still do have some funding. You can sign up not only for funds, but also for legal support. Uh, financial counseling, you go to OFWemergencyfund.org.
1: Thank you so much for being on Culture Shift. You are here listening to 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Culture Shift is the show.